Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. October 8th, the beginning of this month, we had a celebration Sunday where we took a celebration offering. We've done this the last few years, but this year was kicking off a year where we had some extra things we needed to do that God had put in our hearts to do. And on that celebration Sunday, we invited everybody to give a celebration offering. And we also invited everybody to take a step on their uh, generosity journey. Like, what is God telling you to do? And Pastor David had taught to us about it for several weeks. You might remember the steps on the journey were to become a first-time giver or to become an intentional giver or a percentage giver or even go beyond that. And so uh, on that Sunday, we asked you to turn in a card and give us an indication of, of your celebration offering and what you plan to do for the year. And the reason we do that is because it helps us to kind of plan for the year. And God had put some things in our heart to do that we really wanted to accomplish and we weren't sure can we move forward or can we not move forward and just a reminder back then David and I had been wrestling with it because this is a special time God's doing something that's not man-made like more people are coming just like we've had the most baptisms ever we had the most beach baptisms the most at camp we had uh, more kids and students showing up more families showing up and it's it's a move of God in and around the country and so we feel this need to respond to it, to, to make things right. And part of what we wanted to do was provide better environments for our students like fifth through 12th grade or sixth through 12th grade um, because we want them to learn in age appropriate manner like in different venues so that uh, middle school and high school don't have to be together for all their large group experiences. And it takes money to do that. And we just, man, with the economy and everything going on, all the uncertainty, People, David and I talking, people are going to think we're insensitive and that we we got our head in this thing. We're not paying attention. And at the same time, that's not true. We are paying attention and that's why we need to say something. In some ways, there's no way we can talk about it. In some ways, there's no way we can't talk about it. And so David said it right. He said, you know what, Denny? At the end, we're just going to trust God and tell the people. And, and we did. And told you what the need was and said, we're, we're going to adjust to what the response is. And on that Sunday... Our typical uh, kind of weekend is different than this, but on that particular Sunday, we did something special, giving people a chance to respond. And on that weekend, 2,313 people were, gave gifts to the church. That's about double what we normally give to the church, okay? 186 of those were first-time givers that were taking their first step to give to First Baptist Orlando. We had 1,157 people take a step on their journey of generosity, those steps that I talked about. And the grand total for us giving on that one Sunday was $1.12 million that you gave to do the work of God here. So just so you know, uh, you know, we did four Orlando offering a year ago. That was about $900,000. So this eclipsed even that. And uh, part of what we're doing uh, this year, there's actually three different parts that we're doing. We have ongoing ministry operations, the things that we always do, but two additional things. One is 
we wanted to do better, do more for Fort Orlando going from the, the, what we did last year. We wanted to do a million dollars this year. And so um, that's part of what we want to do. The second, like I mentioned, is to make the improvements uh, to Faith Hall for those uh, environments for our students and young adults. Uh, this past year, last year, uh, we together gave a little over $22 million. Let me just say something here uh, parenthetically. When we talk about big numbers like that, let me just tell you what it makes Betsy and I feel like. Like, man, how does our giving affect that? That is so much and we don't give anything that makes a big difference in that and that's not true. Everybody who gives makes a difference. This isn't a few people giving a lot. This is a lot of people giving something. And when all of us participate, it's just mind boggling what the number is. But here's what happens. We all say yes. Last year, we, we gave 22 and some change, $22 million and a little bit more. And you responded this year to be able to give in the next year $26.7 million, which is almost $4 million more than last year. And that allows us what we said to you, if everybody will ask God what you're supposed to do, and everybody will do what God tells us to do, we'll have all the resources we need to do everything God has put in our hearts to do. And this number here allows us to put our foot on the gas pedal and do all of the improvements we need to do to do the for Orlando and to continue ministry the way we have because you prayed. And that's where it changed. Can I tell you? It was the 40 days of prayer that made the difference because all of us began to experience God speaking to us about what he wanted us to do. And he gave us the strength and the boldness to do what he said. And then it brings us down to the last and most important number, the number one. And Pastor David's gonna come tell us about that. David? Amen. Thank you, Danny. Can we give thanks to the Lord for all those numbers? You know, I used to think numbers don't mean anything. And then uh, I remember an incident I had when I was in the hospital. And they came in and said, we've got to check your blood pressure. I said, well, do those numbers matter? Yes, sir, they matter. We've got to check your uh, oximeter, make sure you're, you're, you're getting enough uh, oxygen. Does that number matter? Yes. Numbers matter because they represent something. It's something beyond just a digit or two. And the last number you ever heard the song, One is the Loneliest Number? Well, if you're old like me, you remember that song. If you're not, you've got other songs that talk about one. One. What's the one represent? It represents you, and it represents him. We do it for one reason. He is worthy of it all. We have an audience of one. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what the... You know, the paper says or social media says about First Orlando, believe me, we know what social media says about us. The only thing that matters, one. What does he say? And then look around. He brings this group together, makes us one in him so that together we have so much more effectiveness as the body of Christ, one. I want you to go back to a text that we were in the middle of. In fact, Doug Hankins talked about it last week. It's 1 Corinthians 11. If you got your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 11. It is the place, it's the oldest place or oldest version of the Lord's Supper that we have. You say, well, what about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John? They weren't written yet when he wrote this. 
This is probably the oldest place where we see a description of that moment, that Lord's Supper that Jesus had with his disciples called the Last Supper with them. And he's writing to a church not to commend them, but to say, yeah, you've got to get this right. Because this supper means something. These elements, the bread and the cup, they mean something. And here's what they mean. They mean we are one with him. He brought us together and made us one with him. And then we are one with each other. And both of these are in this text. Now, let me tell you how important the Lord's Supper is. It's the one tradition, along with baptism, that we celebrate that connects us to generations past and generations to come. The kingdom of God. People all over the world for centuries have been breaking bread together and being baptized in the name of Jesus. Isn't it cool we get to do something that connects us today with that whole stream of history? But unfortunately, in Corinth, when they came together to remember the oneness they had with Jesus and the oneness they had with one another, it was a mess. And last week, if you were here, you remember. If not, let me just capsulize it in this. They typically would have a meal together called the love meal. Jude 12 actually refers to this, called the agape meal. They would come and they would eat. It's like when you get together with friends or you get together with a life group or a home group and you, you have a meal together, you share a meal together. At the end of that meal, then they would have the Lord's Supper to remind them of their oneness. Well, what was happening, as you can tell in the verses that Doug read and that precede the ones we're going to start with, this chapter 11 is filled with a, a description of them coming together. They don't wait on one another. They divide up according to the haves and have-nots. The rich are over here, the poor are over here. Some people are just sitting around eating and drinking, and they're drunk. By the time it comes that moment for the Lord's Supper, it was just a wreck. And Paul says, this is horrible. And then he says... Some of you are sick because of the way you're treating this. Some of you have died because of this. It's, it's rare in the New Testament for God to judge somebody quickly. But in this case, he was. Because they were violating the essence of what this is supposed to mean. Let me tell you how convinced I am this matters. This doesn't save us. And it's not a sacrament. We don't call baptism and we don't call the Lord's Supper a sacrament. The reason is it doesn't have saving power. The only thing that saves is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is by faith in him and the grace he gives us that we're saved. Not because we broke bread. Not because we were baptized. So they're not sacraments. They're ordinances. I want to I just tell you that God put on my heart. And I announced it this morning. We're going to have the Lord's Supper every month next year. Every month. We're going to break bread. There's going to be a moment where we honor the Lord in this. And the reason is because it's so important. And the reason it's so important is because of what it teaches us. I want to read the account first. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, if you're in 1 Corinthians 11, you can follow along. I'm in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is 
for you and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, that, that piece right there that we just read is the tradition that Paul had. It's the tradition that he knew of from Jesus. I, I think it came straight from the night Jesus did that with his disciples. And he says, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, five times in this chapter, he says, when you come together, when you come together. There's something about the body of Christ that is amazing to me. Last week, Rachel and I had the privilege of going back to a church that I pastored 30 years ago. 30, my hair was really dark. I mean, 30 years ago. And the coolest thing happened. We walked in. It was a big, uh, like a uh, homecoming. Some of you maybe know about churches when they have a homecoming or they have a, some kind of celebration. And they br- invited other pastors, other staff members to come back. And they gave me the opportunity to preach. And when we walked in, remember 30 years ago I was their pastor. When we walked in, it's as if we had never left. We just picked up where we left off. I saw friends. I saw people that I had baptized. I saw people. I kept having young adults coming up saying, you held me when I was a baby. And I looked at them and I kept thinking, I'm not that old. I cannot be that old. There's no way I'm that old. But Rachel and I felt so loved. You know why? It's the body of Christ. There's something about the body of Christ. I look out here in this room and those of you that are streaming, man, we're from all over the world. We don't, we don't all speak the same language nor have the same accent or live in the same places, but something happens when we show up together. When we come together, there's something. Some would call it magic. I call it the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what happens. And so Paul says, that ain't happening at Corinth. And when you come to that supper, you're making a mockery out of it. So let's read the judgment. But before I read the judgment, what he said was happening because of it. Let me show you the verses, just the anchor for us of how Jesus' death on a cross, which we remember in this, how it made us one. Okay, listen at these verses, Ephesians. Reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He's talking to Jews and, and to Greeks, Jews and Gentiles. And he said, you know what God did on the cross? He reconciled us both to God in how many bodies? One body through the cross. Look at this, Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female for you are all one in Christ. There's neither Gators nor Seminoles. There's neither whatever, whatever. Democrats, Republicans. I mean, there's we're one in Christ. There's not even male or female. You realize how bold that statement is. So when the body of Christ comes together, there should be no division. We should come together as one. And then this verse, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one and God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You need any more ones? It's, we're one. 
And we're one with him and we're one with one another. So this is what Paul says, act like it. Don't come to the supper when there's division among you, when you are treating one another as if you are not family and you are not one. And when you do, you take this in a way that brings judgment. Let's look at the judgment. This is serious. I mean, this is only, it only happened two times in the New Testament. Once was in Acts 5 when a man and woman came and lied about property. They lied about how much they gave. And they, I mean, literally, they died immediately. So we were kind of hoping after the big offering two weeks ago, there wouldn't be any sudden deaths. You know what I mean? So far, we made it. Nobody. We're okay. But seriously, that's how God dealt with that. Here's another case. He looked at what they were doing. Paul said, this is why some of you are sick. This is why some of you are, have died, because you don't treat this the way that it should be treated. And here's what he says. I'm now in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, then eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home or stop at Chick-fil-A. So then when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I'll give you directions when I come. So you hear what Paul, you can hear it in his voice. Don't treat that supper that way. How could you break bread together, remember the death of Jesus after you've treated one another like you don't even know each other? So basically because of the divisions among the people, they were dishonoring. I just love the fact that today on a day we're celebrating all that God has done. We get to celebrate the greatest thing he's ever done for us. And that is the gift of his son. But I don't want us to rush. I want us to think about it. So let's go back to the verse where he really gets to the specifics. If you eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner. When I was a kid growing up, I thought that meant if I'd thought a bad word, I couldn't have the Lord's Supper that day. Or if I'd said something unkind, I couldn't have the Lord's Supper. If that's the case, nobody having the Lord's Supper. We're not partaking because we got it right. We're partaking because he got it right for us. Our righteousness is not why we get to hold the bread and the cup. It is because of the righteousness of Christ. You're never going to be worthy. You were literally, by grace, carried to the table of the Lord. So don't think in a moment when you're holding that, oh, I'm doing this because I got it all figured out. No. You're doing it because somebody did something for you. Now, there is a question you need to ask. Am I, is my spirit right with this? Do I understand the significance of this? There's nothing wrong with asking that question. But I don't want you to ever feel like I've got to be, my life's got to be perfect. 
before I can do this. No. But you need to know what it's saying. Second thing, unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood, which just basically means you, you are guilty in bringing dishonor to one of the most sacred moments you could ever have, remembering what Jesus did. Then this is the one that gets interesting. Let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks, say it with me and say the yellow part with me, without discerning the body. What is that? How could we eat and drink without discerning the body? Okay, once again, for some of you, you were taught that that would mean, and I'm going to use the elements that you have, that would mean that you don't discern that that is the body of Jesus. You don't discern that that represents the body of Jesus. Now, there's a part of that that's true. But if that's the case, he would have said without discerning the body and the blood. Because the blood is also represented as well as the body. That is the Greek word soma. It is also the word that refers to the body of Christ, his church. So in my understanding, and I've studied it, I've written a paper on this, presented it to a PhD seminar, and I'll die on this hill. Discerning the body means you look around and you realize you're a part of something bigger than you. This is not just you, it is the body of Christ. You're not alone. You recognize that. In fact, the earliest, earliest, apart from the New Testament, there was a writing called the Teaching of the Twelve Disciples. It's also known as the Didache. There is a verse in that that says, if you're having a quarrel with a brother or sister in Christ, don't partake of the Lord's Supper until you get the quarrel straightened out. Now, what that tells me is there's something serious when we take this and there's something important about looking around you to make sure that you understand we're in this together. That's why I really feel led for us to be able to do it every month next year. Because you know what's coming next year? An election. Somebody said Jesus. Hallelujah. Come, Jesus. I'll take that. There's an election. And every election year, there's no more of time of more divisions in the church than during election year. It can't be. And that doesn't mean we all vote for the same person. No, it's not about that. It's not about your vote. It's about your heart. And it's about how you see one another. Do you see one another as one? They're a brother and sister in Christ. So for me today, all those numbers that you saw, that last one, one, it talks about he is the one who made me one with him, but he's also the one who made us one with one another. So here's what we're going to do today. I've never done this here. And I'm offering this. This is just for you to consider, okay? You don't have to do this. I want to encourage you to partake of the Lord's Supper. So let's talk about it. First of all, if you don't have one of these, you need to get one. We've got some at tables, and we'll have people get them for you if you need that. In fact, you can just lift your hand, and we'll have somebody run one back to you if you'll do that.
Secondly, this is for those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This means, it doesn't save you. If you think, man, I've had a really bad life and I know this is going to save me. No, it isn't. It's very little juice and very little bread. It's not going to have much effect. The only thing that can save you is the blood of Jesus Christ, which this represents, and the body broken for you, which this represents. you got to trust Christ for your salvation, not a ritual. This is not a ritual. Third thing, when you hold it, one tab opens the bread, one tab opens the juice. I want you to think about doing something. Would you exchange yours with somebody else to remind you that you're not in this alone? You may be sitting by a spouse and it'd be very appropriate. You may be sitting with some friends, it'd be very appropriate. You may feel led to go to someone and do it. You may feel led not to and just to take this moment and think about it. But either way, either way, discern the body discern the body of Christ we are the body of Christ we're not alone we are in this together and we are in this with him that's what this means today so I'm going to pray you're going to hear music playing and then I want you to follow as the Lord did that night and as Paul instructed him on the night that he was betrayed what did he do he took bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you as often as you eat the bread remember me and then he took the cup and after the supper he took the cup and he said this is the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink this cup remember me and so when you're ready you just eat the bread You drink the cup and you say, Jesus, this is for you. This is for you. Now, if you want to exchange, exchange whatever way you want to do it. Let's take a moment. Think about the body and honor the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, Be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.